Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. Hey, online church is great, but it ain't that great, is it? And so we did it for a couple of weeks, and I was like, this is a lot of work. It's not that much fun. But hearing you guys share about what God's doing in your heart and seeing people step into the prophetic, man, that's, I love it. I love it. Okay, so the text that I'm going to use this morning, if you want to stick your finger in it, I'm going to go back and forth a little bit. Luke chapter 15 is going to be kind of our primary text, but I'm going to start out in Matthew chapter 4. So if you want to stick your finger, or I don't know how you do that on an iPhone, in, in Luke chapter 15, but I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Jesus proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom and healed every disease. When you look that up in the original language, it actually means everybody got healed of everything. That means when you came to Jesus... And you had multiple issues. It wasn't like, look, just pick one. This isn't, you know, he healed everybody of everything. Okay. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought him to all who were ill with various diseases. Those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. It is not a gospel of salvation alone. I think for too long, we've thought the gospel is just about salvation. That the gospel is the gospel that if you pray a prayer, and if you, if you, if you stick your hand up, and if you do something, that's the gospel. That's what it is. The gospel of salvation is part of the gospel, but Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. If the gospel of the kingdom was only salvation alone, then why heal? What's the point in Don getting healed of cancer if it's only the gospel that when you die, you go to heaven? In fact, if it's just a gospel of salvation, why continue living? Why not pray the prayer that Emily led us through and we'll all go out back and have a firing squad and let's get to... If heaven's what this is all about, why don't we go there now? If the gospel was only the gospel of salvation, why drive out demons? It's the gospel of the kingdom. And salvation is part of the package. But there is so much more. There is so much more. And Jesus proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom. That word gospel in the Greek, I'm going to throw some Greek out at you, is, I'm going to try to pronounce it, is euangelion, euangelion. It's where we get the word evangelist or evangelism from. And it's more than just salvation. This word gospel, the good news in the Greek, is not just that Jesus saves. It is that there is a king who has come to establish a new kingdom. Do you understand that? The gospel of the kingdom is that there is a king 
who has come to establish a kingdom. And salvation is part of the package, but there's more. We need to understand this kingdom and declare a whole gospel. Because the kingdom of the gospel is not just a saving from. It's not just I'm saved from my sin. I'm saved from my old life. I'm a new creation. It's also a saving in two. And I don't want to just preach a gospel that just says, you don't have to live that life anymore. You can proclaim Jesus as Lord and Savior, and you're free from your sin. It is true. It is important. But I want people to understand, it's not just about what you're saved from. It is what you're saved into. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9, he says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special de- uh, possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. That's the out of darkness part, but into his wondrous light. You're not just called out of darkness into nothingness. You're called into his wondrous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We have gone out of darkness and into light. And what really got me thinking about this is from the Luke 15 passage we're going to read together. It's a story that may be familiar to some. And if you're like me, you grew up with like the, the kids' church version of that or the Veggie Tales version of it or, or some like you ever have stories in the Bible and you, you thought you knew the story, but you realize the story you, you knew was like from kids' church or from, not that it's wrong, but then you go read the story again and the Lord begins to reveal some stuff too. And you're like, oh, there's more to this, right? That's kind of the experience that I had with this. In Luke chapter 15, verse 11, it says, Jesus continued, he's telling a story. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. Pretty lowly job for a little Jewish boy, feeding pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He, he's rehearsing the scene. You ever do that? You ever like make a mistake with somebody and you got to apologize to them or something and you're like, okay, I'm going to go to them and this is what I'm going to say. And, it's gonna, and you start rehearsing the scene. Or how many of you rehearsed things after you had it and it was like, man, I should have said this and I should have said that. And the, the, the rehearsal you do afterwards always sounds way better than whatever you said in the middle of it. But here he is rehearsing this scene. He's like, okay, okay, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go back to my dad. I'm going to say, I'm going to do the humble thing. God, I'm not worthy. And how do I, 
man, how do I, how do I have this conversation? I mean, I basically told my dad, you're, you're dead to me. My dad, all he's done is provide for me, but I got my eyes fixed on other things. And I've, I've told my dad he's dead. And now like I've squandered everything. It's all gone. And if I show up in my dad's house, the other servants and probably my older brother is going to kill me because if I show up, it's going to look like I want more. They don't realize that I'm coming in humility. So he's rehearsing the scene. Okay, here's what I'm going to say. Here's how this is going to play out. Anybody ever done that? Anybody ever rehearsed that stuff? I do. So he got up and went to his father. And you could picture him walking on the way. Father, I've sinned against you. Heaven, no, 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 no. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. That's even better. Okay, I've sinned. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hearts. I've sinned against heaven. You can picture him practicing it. But while he's still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. For him, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. <laughs> the son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. You know, one of my favorite parts of this story is the father completely ignores his prepared speech. Like he didn't even get to the part about hire me as your servant. He's like, Father, I have sinned. He's like, stop. Go get the fatted calf. Go get a ring. Go get a robe. Get some sandals. Put them on his feet. I don't care what you have to say. Because you're home. There's a celebration of this prodigal son who'd come home. Of his return. But here's what got me thinking about this. And how it relates to this gospel of the kingdom. Jesus is telling this story as the gospel of good news that our Father, our Heavenly Father, is the hero of this story. He's the one that had been looking, looking. He saw his son from a far way off and ran to him. We've prepared all of our speeches. He's the one that came to us. And he's saying, this is what salvation is. But it got me thinking about this story. How does this son live now in the father's house? The party's been had. He's back in the house. But he has to learn what it's like to live in dad's house. His life didn't end there. Jesus' story ended there because this is the point he's trying to make is that there are lost sons that will come home. And by the way, the point of this story was about both sons, not just the one. But he has to learn how to live in this house now. What's it going to be like? What do I need to know about living as part of the family that I didn't know before? 
Because the Bible says that we are transformed through the renewing of our mind. And so I probably need to think differently about what it's like to live in dad's house. I was here before, but I must have missed something because if I hadn't missed it, I never would have left to begin with. What is it that I couldn't see then that God will help me to see now? What now? How do I live in God's house as a son and not just as a former prodigal? Do you know what would be really hard for this guy? Because I know it's hard for, for us. is not to see yourself as the former prodigal. It's hard to, to not keep preparing the same speech in your head. He'd been preparing this speech. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. But he's still got this, even with the response of the Father, our human nature still wants to rehearse the same speech. I've sinned against heaven and against God. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. And God goes, you're not a sinner. You were. You're a son. And stop repeating the same speech in your own head because it's not coming from my lips or my heart. What comes from my heart and from my lips is you are my son whom I loved and whom I am well pleased. That's it. So why are you telling yourself something that I'm not telling you? To live in this house, you need to understand the heart of the Father towards you as a son. And stop calling yourselves sinners when I call you son. I think what (laughs) this new son needs is a tour guide. Remember when I lived in Austria for a year? I was playing professional basketball in Austria. And you came, didn't you? Yeah. And um, I lived about an hour from Vienna in a little town called Furstenfeld. And so on the weekends when we weren't playing, or if I had a day off, I'd, I'd drive to Vienna all the time. And I love Vienna. It's, Austria is like the cleanest country you have ever been in in your life. If you drop a wrapper out of your car on the highway, other citizens will pull you over and say, go back and pick that thing up. It's super clean. I also lived about four hours from the border of Italy, and they did not need any signs that told you you were driving into Italy. You knew because they did not live by the same standard that the Austrians live by. And it was quite funny, at least not in northern. Italy's beautiful too, but it's just different. Um, but I would go to Vienna all the time, and there was this palace called Schönbrunn, which was the summer palace of the, the um, I'm trying to remember who it was, the Habsburgs, which was like the royal family. So they had Hofburg, which was their, their royal residence, like the Westminster Canterbury, not Westminster Canterbury, what am I trying to say? What's the Buckingham Palace, their version of it. But then they had their summer palace, which was just outside the city that was like redonkulous, like it was just... Wow, like thank Versailles, and that's kind of what they had. And so I would go visit Schönbrunn, but I'm the guy, I like to travel alone, to be honest with you, because I go fast, and I'm, I don't like tours. I don't like tour guides. I'm like, I'm not going to pay for that. I can figure it out on my own. So I'm going to walk around, and I'm going to check out all the, and they have the most beautiful gardens, like manicured gardens, and so I would spend more time in the gardens and then you could go inside, but you had to pay to go inside. And I'm like, but the outside's so beautiful. Like the architecture was just stunning, and it was like this, this uh, orange-type color, and it was just beautiful. And the gardens were just immaculate. And so I would 
like miles of gardens and walk these gardens every day. And I'm like, I would just enjoy doing that. I'd go to Schoenbrunn and walk around. I was like, this is, this is awesome. And then one day, somebody from town said, have you ever taken one of the tours? I'm like, I'm going to take a tour. I'm not a tourist. I live here for nine months. But I'm not a tour guy. And I'm like, all right, well, you should probably take a tour. And then one day, I show up to Schoenbrunn on a Sunday afternoon. And I was like, I think I'll, I'll, I'll take the tour. It's like 20 bucks. And so I took the tour and I actually went inside the house. And I'm thinking, the outside's good enough. And then I went in the house and I am like, oh, my goodness the opulence that was inside this house it was like one of the first houses in europe that had an indoor toilet which was apparently very opulent back in the day they had a hall of mirrors just like versailles has and all the architecture and furniture and this place is where they signed this particular treaty and this happened here i'm learning so much about the inside of this it was beautiful and then they went outside and i'm like the gardens i know that i've been all over these gardens they are I can give this tour, right? I've been here. This is cool. And then she took me to places in the garden that I hadn't realized, and she told me the intent of the garden and then how they did all of the underworkings to get irrigation and water because there was a fountain, but it was a gravity fountain. I thought it was just something that was put up there like 10 years ago, but somehow they were able to create a run of water that was so intense that this fountain actually just ran off gravity and learn all this stuff. And then she turns a corner and she goes, and now I'm going to take you to the zoo. I went, the, the what? She goes, well, the zoo. They, they had the royal zoo that's here. That was this part of their thing. They have all these exotic animals. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And it's like they're on this secret hedge. And I walk in and there's like African animals and lions and giraffes. And I'm like, that smell? I thought that was somebody's chicken farm next door. There's a whole zoo. I couldn't believe it. I've been there a dozen times and never knew that it was a zoo. So then my mom, I think I took you there, right? So then my mom comes over, and this was after the tour. And all of a sudden, I'm like, let me show you the inside of the house. You think the outside is cool? Wait till you see the toilet. Wait till you see the place where they signed all this stuff. And then I'm like, we're going to go outside, and I'm going to show her all the really cool stuff, all the guards and everything, and I'm going to turn this corner, and I'm going to go, oh, yeah, there's a zoo. <laughs> a zoo. Who has a zoo? Who has a spare zoo? Some of y'all raise chickens. That ain't no zoo. That's a chicken farm. It's a zoo. And I realized, had I not taken that tour, all of this time, I would have been pretty impressed with what I saw, but I would have missed so much. I'm so glad that I had someone, when I was humble enough to not try to figure it out on my own, that could say, you've seen stuff that's pretty cool, but you ain't seen nothing yet. Let me show you what's behind the scenes. Let me show you the intricacies of how things work. Let me show you some things that were right in front of you, but you didn't realize were there. Because what we have is so much more than just walking around the outside of this palace. The gospel of the kingdom is going on the tour that shows you all of the stuff that's in your house that you didn't realize was there before. What the prodigal son needed, who's now no longer a prodigal son, but he's one of the sons in the house, needs to know what's in the house that I missed before. And so the Apostle Paul writes this book called Ephesians. 
And if you read Ephesians chapter 1, let me tell you a great way to read the book of Ephesians, because I've been stuck in Ephesians 1 for three months. Can't get out of this one chapter. There's so much. And do you know why? Because I read it as the prodigal son continued. Ephesians actually 1 through 3, 1, 2, and 3, are a great example of what we need to know about living in God's house now. He's reminding this church in Ephesus, look, this is not just a gospel of salvation. This is a gospel of the kingdom. And I want to show you what it's like to live in Dad's house. And he says, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every, every Inside the house, outside the house, the zoo, it's all included. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Wow, we were chosen to be blameless. I've never felt blameless. In love, he predestined us to be adopted. We're adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. That means we're not the servant we had prepared the speech to sign up for. We're sons, we're daughters. And we're loved in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he freely has given us in him and the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood. Redeemed, that means back to the original plan. The forgiveness of sins. And he's lavished upon us with all wisdom and understanding. He's made known to us the mystery of his will. Wait a minute, we get to know his will? Isn't that the prayer we always pray? I just want to know. I just want to do God's will. I just, what do you want to do in life? I just want to do whatever the Lord wants me to do. What dreams and visions do you have? Whatever the Lord has for me, that's what I want to do. Well, you know what it means? I got no idea what God wants for me. I think I do, but I need a tour guide. And Ephesians tells us, oh, we have a tour guide. And he's going to show his will to you. There's nothing worse than trying to hit a target. You have no idea where that thing is. I'm loaded, safety's off, and I'm ready to go, but I don't know what I'm shooting at. He has revealed his will to us. And I like to read Ephesians. I'm not going to read any more of Ephesians today, but I think it's written to people who used to be prodigals, and they're in Dad's house, and they're like, so what comes with this package? Remember the Caribbean resort we talked about last week or a couple of weeks ago, and it's all included in the price of admission? I'd hate to find out one day that I get to heaven, and I'm like, okay, what do we have here? I heard there's healing here. I heard that there is, you wipe every tear from our eye. I hear that there is peace and joy and all that sort of stuff, and I don't want to get to heaven. And God goes, "Uh, yeah, you you had access to that on earth too. Did Did you miss when I said... Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because all the stuff we've got here now, you, you, you could have had there. But you just got the wrong tour guide. You got the tour guide. You signed up for the 445 tour, and they closed at 5. And they didn't include the zoo. And then you had a friend that signed up for the 3 o'clock tour, and they saw the zoo. And the other tour guide didn't even tell you there was a zoo. Can you tell I'm a little bitter that I missed out on the zoo for a dozen of those? I can just picture Paul walking this Ephesian church through this. 
Can I show you what's in our father's house? It's not like the orphanage. It's not like the streets. Let me give you a tour. Hmm. I'm going to continue this next week. Because there's two very important things that the Father gives to this Son. And we're going to talk about that next week because it's 12.15 and your kids are hungry. It's not like the orphanage. Why are you living there? He's not the headmaster of our orphanage. Waiting for someone else to come adopt us. He's not a foster dad. And I love foster dads and moms. He's our father. He's already adopted us. You're already, if you've made a decision to follow him, you're already in the house. But everything in that house, everything belongs to you. Because he openly shares it. You see, this former prodigal son asked for his inheritance, and he's the younger son, which means it's half of what the older son got. But he settled for less because it was all his. He just wanted a portion of it that he didn't have to answer for. I want all the privilege, but none of the responsibility, none of the accountability, none of the stewardship. I want to do with it what I want to do. And the father said, Okay. I want to help us see. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. That there is more. There is more. Chris just shared his story. And there's more. There's more than just the breaking of the depression. There's more than just getting through this season. If I can just get through this, man, if I can just get through COVID, if I can just get a job, if I can just resolve this, if I could just, and God's going, no, man, it's not about the thing. I want you to see how much has already been prepared for you. Can you picture the father feeding this calf every day? Fattening this calf one day, one day he's going to come home. And when he does, it's all going to be ready. Can we pray? Father, I thank you that we can be a part of your family, a part of your household. 
I thank you, Lord, that you are not standing at the end of our road, arms crossed, scowl on your face, waiting for us to shrivel up back to you to tell us, I told you so. You don't even let us finish our really well-prepared speech. But when you read our hearts, as only you do, you respond with your goodness and your abundance and every spiritual blessing that's been given through your son. And so, Father, I pray that that spirit of revelation, here's your cheat sheet, here's your cheat code, the Holy Spirit is your guide. I thank you as we're in your house that your spirit guides us to reveal all truth to us, all of the things available to us, the healing, the deliverance, all those things that Jesus you did as part of the gospel is the kingdom of setting people free from demonic oppression, of healing every disease. We have it now because we live in your family now. Guide us, direct us. And let us see that there is more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So, this may be a two or three part message. There's, I didn't even get to the part that I was hoping to get to today. Um, but God's in that. Now, we will always have a church that is open to what God is speaking to all of us, won't we? God told me a long time ago that I want you to teach people how to hear from me for themselves. And that there are things about this church that you're going to need to know from me, but I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to tell them. And so if you're not teaching people how to hear from me and not giving them the opportunity to share that stuff, you're going to miss out. I'm like, dang, but I'm the pastor. I'm the one that's supposed to. I didn't say that. I was like, yep, I got it. So sometimes these moments will be a little bit shorter. Sometimes they'll be a little bit longer. Um, but I am less apt to put my hands on it and control it than I am to let happen and let breathe and let see what God actually does in the midst of that. And I'm happy to cut a message short because often the message isn't coming out of these lips, is it? So, Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com. 